Mark chapter 2 and verse number 1. And he again entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. Now we're talking about Jesus. The word got out that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch there was no room to receive them. It was a packed house. No, not so much as about the door as he preached the word unto them. Amen. He was expounding the word. He was preaching to them. And the house was so packed. They were in the kitchen. They were in the living room. They were in the bedrooms. They were in the foyer. They were in the Florida room. (laughs) If there was a Florida room. They were everywhere. They were in the door. You couldn't get anybody else in the door as he preached unto them. Boy, that's, I just think that's the way it ought to be around here. Amen? Barely enough room, amen, to get everybody in. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, which means he was being carried by four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they, lay, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. We know that he received his, his healing too. Amen. So these, these four men had a friend that needed to get to Jesus. They had heard about the miracles. They had heard about the Lord moving and they thought if we could get him to Jesus, then he would, he'll get what he needs. So they determined we're going to get him to Jesus. And when they got there, they couldn't get into the house. So their, their faith was tested. There was an obstacle, but they overcame it. And they began to rip um, the roof um, off um, of that house. And they put him on that bed and they lowered him down to where Jesus was. And when Jesus saw that man being lowered, he looked at those four friends and he said, when Jesus saw their faith, amen, it wasn't just the faith of the man with the palsy, amen, but it was the four men that didn't give up and go home, amen. Without those four men, he wouldn't have got his healing. The Lord, when he saw them, he said, when when he saw their faith, the faith of them that said, I got to do whatever I got to do to get this man to the feet of Jesus. Amen. When he saw their faith, he looked at that man, sick of palsy, and said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I want to preach to you here just for a little bit this morning. Amen. On someone is depending on you. Someone is depending on you. Can I tell you? Let's make it a little personal. Let's make it a little real here today. There are those that are in this service today that are depending on you to do whatever you have to do to remove all the hindrances in this service so they can get to the feet of Jesus. Amen? Amen. If you're going to accept that challenge, let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to have his way in the remainder of this service. We need you today, Lord. We need you today. Move in this house. We need your anointing in this place, Lord God. We need you to speak in this place. We're a needy people today, Lord. We need you to move in a mighty way. In a mighty way, Lord. You are worthy, worthy, worthy today, oh God. Reign supreme, I pray, Jesus. Reign. Let your presence, let your spirit have its way in this place today, Lord. 
In your precious name, Lord. Amen. If you're determined to do whatever it takes to get somebody to the feet of Jesus, would you lift your hands one more time and praise him before we seated? Come on, if you accept the responsibility and the challenge that somebody, somebody needs to get to the feet of Jesus today. Amen. Amen. You may be seated if you promise not to sit down. Amen. Someone is depending on you. On July the 25th, 1962, a 14-year-old Monroe County Boy Scout by the name of Dennis Churchill was fishing on Lake Erie with four companions. And if you've ever fished on a large body of water like that, the morning could start out as, uh, you know, uh, beautiful sun and, and clear skies, but as the day goes on, the clouds can begin to gather, and it only takes a few moments for the situation, the circumstance to drastically change. And that's what happened to these young men on this particular day in 1962. A sudden, severe storm began to blow and capsized their boat about six miles from the shore. The events that transpired next would literally shape all five of their lives forever. Dennis gathered himself and put on a life jacket as began to check on the others. And then he left the others clinging to the boat while he swam for help, literally six miles from shore. With thunder and lightning crashing overhead, and high winds gusting and waves that were rolling about six feet high washing over him. He swam for a while. He was exhausted. He floated for nearly four hours through the storm alone before finally reaching the shore near the Dundee cement loading docks. And it was there that someone found him and he summoned help. And they went back on the lake with the sheriff's department. Instead of staying on the shore, he wanted to go back and help them find and Locate that overturned boat. On that day, Dennis would later be credited with saving the four lives, including his own. On January the 31st, 1963, he was awarded the gold honor of medal by the National Council. Out of more than 75,000 Monroe County residents that have been members of scouting since October the 16th, 1911, he is the only one ever to receive this prestigious award. There were only 19 honor medals recipients that were awarded in the nation during 1963 from a national membership of over 5 million, 5 million young men. While Dennis was swimming through those stormy waters alone except but for God as his help. The violence of those waves literally ripped most of the clothing off um, of those that stayed with the boat. And they, they literally had lost all hope. They believed that Dennis had drowned in the storm. And after he had gone several hours and no help had come for them, they were giving up hope that they would ever be found. You see, the wind and the water took its toll on those four clinging to the boat, but it took its worst toll on Dennis as he struggled to breathe, as he struggled to stay afloat, even with that life vest, as he struggled to make it to shore and find help for his friends. For his friends. That day, Dennis, he only weighed 124 pounds, but he made it to the shore. He was in a state of total exhaustion, and at the end of this dilemma but when the others asked him how he did it he simply replied I, I just couldn't I couldn't give up 
The others were depending on me to save them. I, I, I couldn't quit. I couldn't throw in the towel. I, 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 just, I just couldn't quit swimming because I knew they were depending on me to get them to safety. So somehow in those dark, lonely moments uh, with the odds against him uh, and with the lingering doubt that he was too late for his friends, uh, he still found the strength uh, to keep going on. Uh, and what drove, drove Dennis was not so much uh, his own welfare for it would have been easy for Dennis Dennis to surrender to the icy fury of that stormy lake and just go to sleep once and for all. But what drove Dennis to the brink of human endurance was the fact that there were four of his friends clinging to a, an anchor, clinging to a boat. And their only hope was an assurance that when Dennis swam off, he said, I will come back for you. Their only hope was that Dennis would not give up can I tell you this morning even though he may have given up for his own sake something drove Dennis and he couldn't give up for their sakes knowing that he was the only hope for his friends without him they wouldn't make it it kept him going Dennis understood he was the only thing standing between them and certain death so I've come to preach to this congregation today that there are those who in a spiritual since find yourself in the same struggle as Dennis. I didn't really come to preach today about the four hanging on to the boat, but we'll get to them in a minute. But what I've come to challenge and preach this church about today is Dennis, the one young man that took the responsibility of making sure that he did whatever he had to do to make sure the others were saved. I've come to preach. I've come to encourage those that are hanging on to a lost loved one in spite of the odds. I've come to encourage the one in a spiritual sense. You're struggling to believe that God's going to turn them around and that God's going to save their soul. I've come to preach to those you have been fighting, you have been praying, I've been fighting and praying, I've been fasting, I've been counseling, I've been worshiping for the saving of a friend. I've been hanging on for a parent that doesn't know the Lord. I've been hanging on and struggling prayer after prayer, year after year, for a child that's made seemingly no movement towards God. I'm still hanging on, but I'm struggling past her with my thought process regarding a lost loved one and I feel that there are many here today that are just about wearied with the battle you saw no progress you see no softening or turning of the heart and you have lost ones that you're interceding for and you feel as though the battle is in vain but I've come to preach to you today you gotta hold on for their sakes you gotta keep praying you gotta keep fasting You've got to keep reaching. You are the only chance they have. <laughs> you have those that are outside of the ark of safety. 
You've been praying for them. You've been fasting for years and years. It'd be much easy to surrender to the icy depths of despair. It'd be much easier just to succumb to hopelessness and just to forget about them and say, well, whatever happens, happens. But can I tell you, you better be thankful that a mama didn't quit praying for you. You better be thankful that friends didn't give up on you. You better be thankful that somebody didn't write you off. The only reason why any of us are here today is somebody got a hold of the horns of the altar and somebody prayed me to the feet of Jesus. And when, and when the enemy of their soul and when your faith or your flesh gets weak it begins to whisper well you might as well give up there's nothing else you can do they're simply they don't want to be saved they're they're just simply they're not going to be saved they will never come to the Lord and some of you under the sound of my voice this morning you, you've almost reached the limit of your spiritual endurance <clears throat> and your energy in praying and believing for them is waning and you have serious doubts about whether they're going to make their way back to Jesus. But I've come to encourage you today and to preach to you, don't give up on them. They're dependent on you. You're their only chance. I implore you to keep standing in the gap. And I sought for a man I've sought for somebody to stand in the cap. You may be the only one. You may be the only thing standing between them and certain destruction. You may be the only thing standing in between them and a fatal drug overdose. You might be the only thing standing between them and a suicide attempt. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Some have been standing in the gap for wayward children. And this morning it looks like they're further from God than they've ever been. It looks like uh, that they're so far gone that they, Pastor Griffiths, uh, I don't think they could ever find their way back uh, to God. Some have been interceding and hanging on and coming to church uh, in spite of the fact that their parents are lost. Uh, and those parents that, that perhaps even took you to church as a child, but now they're wayward. Now they're in a prodigal state. Now they're away from God. And you look at their lifestyle and it contradicts how they raised you and you want to give up on them. You're tired of the hypocrisy. Well, they'll make it if they can just pull themselves together. I implore you, child of God, don't give up on those children. Don't give up. I wish somebody would feel the desire I'm preaching with here today. We've got lost family. We've got lost children hanging in the balance and you're the only hope they have. We have spouses in this sanctuary today. Husbands and wives, you've been trying to live the life in front of them. You've been fighting the good fight. You, you've been living for God, but you've been juggling maybe the desires of, of this world. You've been living for God, trying not, to, trying not to sacrifice your spiritual values. You're trying to be a witness to that husband. You're trying to be a witness to that wife, but today they don't look any closer to God. You got family members that you know that once had a soft heart towards God. 
God, but now they look so far away. I've come to remind you today. I've come to encourage you today that they're counting on your prayers. They're counting on you fasting. They're counting on you worshiping for them. They're counting on you never giving up on them. They're counting on you calling them. They're counting on you encouraging them. They're counting on somebody, at least one, to say, I still believe in you. You can make it. You can live for God. They might not have any other way to get to Jesus except through you. Don't give up now. You've been standing in the gap for far too long. Don't give up now. In our scripture text today, find the story of a man who is too sick to get to Jesus on his own. The Bible says that he had four friends who heard that Jesus was in the house. Four friends heard. This is the answer that our friend needs. This is, this is, this is going to solve his problem. We've heard about this miracle worker, this, this, this deaf ear unstopper, the blind eye healer. This is the one. You know, he's tried everything else. But this, this man, if we can get him to Jesus, and he's in this house. And so they heard that Jesus was in the house. And the first thing that I want to make you aware of today is that Jesus is in this house. And that God is moving in a mighty way. And spiritually speaking, I believe that God has troubled the waters here at Calvary for all of those who we can compel and bring to the house of God. And it needs to be noised abroad that Jesus is in this house. When you're at Walmart, you need to tell somebody Jesus is in this house. When you're on the job, you need to take time and tell somebody that Jesus is in the house. The only hope they will have is that somebody lets them know, I don't care what you've tried. Jesus is in the house. It's time that we bring the sick and the weak, the discouraged and the hopeless and the lost into the house. It's not because of the building. It's not because of the preaching. It's not because of a great music, but it's because Jesus is in this house. I still believe it. My pastor put it in me over 30 years ago. If you can get them to this house, God will do the rest. If you can get them in the presence of God, God will change their lives. But they got to know that Jesus is in the house. The second thing they did was they decided that we have to get this man to Jesus. They came to the conclusion that Jesus was the answer to this man's problems. Is there anybody in the house today that still believes that Jesus is the answer for the world today? If you believe it, then you will find a way to get him to Jesus. Brother Griffiths, why, why do we push so hard on Sunday? We're trying to find a way to get people to Jesus. Brother Griffiths, why do you ask all the leadership and all the choir? Why do you ask all the musicians? Why do you ask everybody to get in the prayer room before service? Because we're trying to get people to the feet of Jesus. Why don't we ever take a Sunday off? Because people need to get to Jesus and if you believe they need to get to Jesus you'll find a way to get them there so this man's friends heard they heard that Jesus was in the house 
And they saw a wonderful opportunity to bring this friend who was sick with the palsy. It was a condition that, that it started causing paralysis in his life. It was a relaxing of the nerves. It was causing him to be unable to move uh, his body. It was, it, it was limiting his uh, mobility. Uh, and he needed help to get uh, to Jesus. In other words, this man was unable to come to Jesus uh, by himself. If it would have not been for the efforts of others, uh, he never would have got there. If it had not been for outside forces, uh, if it had not been for an outside intervention, uh, he would have never gotten to Jesus how many people do we pass every day how many people do we rub shoulders with week in and month out that are just waiting for an invitation to come to the feet of Jesus unless these men got him there he would have never got his hands somebody is dependent on you today Somebody's dependent on you. His only hope was somebody else uh, wanting him to be healed as bad as he wanted to be healed. I said his only hope was that somebody else took enough concern for his health that it matched the concern that he had. That's one of the reasons why no matter what spiritual condition you may come in the house of the Lord, you have an obligation. You have a responsibility to do your part to create an atmosphere where the wonder and the demonstration and the power of God can fall. We all have a responsibility. We can't come in and say, well, God's been good. He's touched me. He's healed me. I give God the glory and want to sit back and not get involved and not praise and not worship because you're not doing it just for you. You're doing it for somebody else. Those four men, they didn't need Jesus at the moment, but they had a friend who needed Jesus. I'll do whatever I got to do to get my friend to Jesus. And you may not have any problems at the moment. You may not have any dilemmas that may be compelling you to get to the feet of Jesus. But that doesn't matter. We've got a responsibility every time we come in the house of the Lord. I've got to worship. I've got to praise. I've got to reach. I've got to pull. Because I've got somebody else that needs to get to the feet of Jesus. This man's friend heard. Jesus in the house and we've got to we've got to get him there his only hope was that they wanted him to be healed as much as he wanted to be healed let me tell you when the hurting come in do you want them to be put back together as much as they want to be put back together when the broken come in do you want the pieces to go back together as much as they want the pieces to go back together I promise you if you never shed a tear in the prayer room if you never come to this altar and ask God to renew your burden for the lost you're not going to want it as bad as they want it but desperation should meet desperation the church should be just as desperate to see them saved as they want to be saved the tragedy for a lot of churches uh, is the sinners more desperate than they are and we go through the motions. We sing our three songs, uh, our 20 minute message uh, and we go home and the lost stay lost. Uh, we need a burden for the lost uh, like never before. We need to be desperate. Desperate. Desperate like Dennis, who swam six miles because somebody was dependent on him. 
and we won't even show up 30 minutes early to pray. Come on, somebody. Are we as desperate to see them saved as they want to be saved? He was paralyzed. With the potion, he was paralyzed. He couldn't get there on his own. His muscles had relaxed. He was disabled. His body, he couldn't feel things that he used to be able to feel. He was becoming desensitized. And there are people that we know this morning, they're in desperate need. Their spiritual condition is not good. They're paralyzed by guilt, by doubt, and by fear. They become desensitized because of the world. They're weak in their mind. They're weak in their spirit. And they can't get to the feet of Jesus without somebody helping them. They they can't get to Jesus without some outside intervention. Are you desperate enough to get them to Jesus? They're depending on us to not let them go. You can be seated for a moment. The third thing that happened is these men got to the house where Jesus was. And the Bible says there was no room to receive them. They got there, but they couldn't get in. It had been easy to say, okay, we're done. We've done all we could. We showed up to church. We showed up to church. We dressed nice. We, we did a pretty good music. We, you know, we danced and worshiped a little bit, and, and uh, the music was great. And you know, we, we put forth an effort, but you know, we, just, we ain't going to get to the feet of Jesus today. There are many people that would have turned around and said, well, we tried. But uh, we just, we know we did our best, but there's just no room. Sorry, buddy. You have to come back next time when we don't have any trouble in our life. I'm I'm sorry, brother. You're going to have to come back next time, you know, when we prayed a little bit more about what we're doing. You know, you're going to have to come back next time when we're a little more broken when it comes to the loss. No, no, no. We can't tell the loss that. There was something that welled up inside of these four unnamed men, and they said, we're the only hope that this man has. If we can't get into Jesus, there'll be no healing. There'll be no altering of his destiny if we can't get into Jesus. So we're not going to give up yet. Whatever it takes we're gonna find a way to get him to Jesus can I tell you it only takes a few of us to make our mind up we're not letting this service go by until somebody gets to Jesus it don't take everybody it helps us everybody will do it but it only takes a few people that says I'm gonna do whatever it takes so the Bible says they climbed to the roof of that house and they broke it up they broke it up They began breaking up the roof. They began tearing away the hindrances. They began breaking up that which was standing. They knew that man needed a breakthrough and they were willing to break anything up. Can I tell you, there are times when there's going to be obstacles between Jesus and those who need him. And we can hear him speaking. We know he's close. But there are things that are hindering that person from being in their presence. They need a breakthrough. And that's when we need to work with everything within us just that to work against those things that stand between Jesus and them and we've got to break things up so they can have a breakthrough is there anybody willing today to say I'll be a part of the CAC roofing crew and I'll be a part of breaking up anything that needs to be broken I'll break up some carnality. I'll break up some worldliness. I'll break up the cares of this life. I'll break up my pride. I'll break up my own will so that somebody else can get what they need.
I'll run the aisles if I gotta break the roof up. I'll dance in the spirit, but I'll break that roof. If they need a breakthrough, I'll break it up. You're not worshiping for you. You're not just praying for you. You shouldn't be fasting just for you. Why are we always fighting for a breakthrough? Because we're making it possible for somebody to get to the feet of Jesus. You can be seated. We're almost done. We're almost done. When they broke through to Jesus and they lowered that man down, his healing was almost instantaneous. Now this is, this is interesting. You need to listen closely. It says, the Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith, he healed the man with palsy. He saw their faith. Now, it could be that their faith was the group, but I don't believe that's what it's talking about because then it mentioned the man singular with the palsy. He said when he saw their faith because without their faith, he never would have gotten to where he was. It was their faith that pulled the roof off. It was their faith that lowered him, him down. What are you telling me? I'm telling you sometimes uh, when the one that's broken doesn't have the faith, uh, they can get what they need because you believe. He got his healing not because he had enough faith. Uh, he got what he needed because you had the faith. He got what he needed because they believed. Your faith can make the difference. And when he saw the faith of those four people he, that said, no matter what, whatever we have to do, no matter how long it takes, no matter how we get criticized for doing something that's never been done before, no matter what, we're going to get him to Jesus. Now hear me, this is an interesting fact. Their names are not recorded. Neither did it mention any of their titles or any of their positions. Can I tell you, they were just four unnamed heroes. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a position to get people to Jesus. You want to make an eternal difference? Then make up your mind. I'm going to be a part of breaking it up and getting people to Jesus. I'm almost done. Give me just a few more moments. You can't give up. They're dependent on you. Someone is dependent on you. The reality is, is that somebody's dependent on you today to not give up on them. They, 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 they may seem out of their mind right now. They may be spiritually sick. They may not even realize they need Jesus, but you do. They, they may be saying things that don't in, indicate any desire to live for God. They may be living in a way that shows no, no proclivity or inclination to live for God. They're dependent on you to stand in the gap. They're dependent on you to bring them to Jesus in prayer. And God starts moving. They're dependent on you to break through to where Jesus is so that he'll notice your faith. They're waiting on you to refuse to give up on them. When we remember that we may be the only hope they have, that's what moves God. And that's what brings healing in their life. 
All through the scripture, God has honored the request of people that were standing in the gap for others. Brother Griffiths, what are you saying? Listen to Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their head, saith the Lord God. God said, if I could have just found one man or woman who would stand in, my, stand in the gap or stand in the way and represent the people, then I would have spared them. He wasn't asking for all of them. He was asking for one that would stand in the gap. When God determined to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he shared his plans with Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham stood. He stood before the Lord. He knew they were wicked. He knew Sodom was full of debauchery. He knew they were full of perversion but but Abraham stood before the Lord and he said God if you can find 50 righteous men will you still destroy Sodom and then God said for 50 I will spare the city one man stood up and pushed back the wrath of God because he wanted to see them saved but there wasn't 50 and Abraham said would you do it for 45 and the Lord said I'll do it for 45 and then there wasn't 45 and he said would you do it for 40 would you do it for 30 he said would you do it for 20 he said yes I would spare the whole city for just 20 he said would you do it for 10 he said yes can I tell you as long as Abraham continued to stand before God and appeal for the city Sodom was spared but as soon as Abraham was let go the fire rang down and judgment came but even 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 in the midst of judgment and the destruction of Sodom the Bible says in Genesis 19 and 29 and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham oh, he was going to destroy all of them but I remember to pray an uncle. I don't think you're getting what I'm telling you. He was going to remove his hand of protection. He was going to let the dominoes fall. He was going to let the law of the harvest just have its way. But he remembered an uncle that said, would you spare him? Don't you dare give up on him. Don't you dare throw in the towel that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. The only reason why Lot made it out was that there was a praying uncle that said, do whatever you gotta do, but save his soul. They might be living in Sodom. They might be going to the wrong places and doing the wrong things, but you can still stand in the gap. You can push back. You can push back the judgments of God. So you can't give up. You can never say there's no use. You're the only reason why they haven't OD'd. You're the only reason why they haven't took their life. 
You're the only reason why they haven't given up. You're the only reason why the rock hasn't fallen in their life. He only saved Lot when he remembered Abraham. You could be the only reason somebody has a chance. I've got a couple more pages, but we're stopping here. I want those who are weary and well-doing. I want those who've been standing in the gap. I want you to come to this altar. God wants to give you a fresh anointing. God wants to give you fresh strength today. Come on down here with some desperation. You need to come on down here. You're the only reason why they still got a chance. They're depending on you. Push the chairs back if we got to. Make room, whatever we gotta do. I know you're weary. I know you're weary. I know you've been praying for years. I know it'd be easy to give up. I know it doesn't look like anything's happening. But you're the only chance. You're the only chance. And when judgment should have came, and when judgment should have fallen, their life story is gonna read, but he remembered a praying mama. But he remembered a praying mama. When judgment should have fallen, I remembered a mama that just wouldn't let go. When their story should have ended, God's gonna write it into place. But there was a daddy who wouldn't let go. I remember the prayers of that daddy. You can't give up. can't give up the story looked closed but God's gonna write in the story that mama should have been lost but I remember a praying daughter that daddy I remember a daughter that just wouldn't let go Their only chance is that you don't give up. 
Come on, husband. Come on, wife. a fresh anointing would fall on you today weary weary prayer warrior weary intercessor weary mom and dad there's a fresh anointing for you today there's a fresh wind for you today an anointing of intercession an anointing of perseverance a fresh anointing of travail Isaiah said, for as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Come on, you're it. You're standing in the gap. Somebody's dependent on you. Somebody's dependent. You haven't been wasting time. You've been standing in the gap. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, they would have no hope but for you. They'd have no chance. You're, you're, you're the only thing standing between them and destruction. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, don't be weary. Don't be weary and well-doing. I know your heart's been broken. I know it's been up and down. But you're their only chance. I prayed all week. 
that an anointing would fall on those that have been interceding. If you're ready to receive that, if you've been a little weary and well-doing, but you're ready for that fresh wind, I want you to lift your hands right now. God wants to renew you. He wants to restore you. He's going to give you a little faith, fresh faith right now. I've been praying for an anointing of intercession, fresh anointing, an anointing of perseverance, an anointing of travail. I'm asking God for a fresh determination, a fresh determination for those who are intercessors, for the parents of lost children, husbands and wives that have unsafe spouses, for those that are hanging on to lost family and friends. God has a fresh anointing for you right now. Come on, gap feelers. Come on, hedge makers. You may be getting tired, but God, come on, God's gonna do it right now. Lift your hands and receive it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we release your anointing right now. We release a fresh determination. We release a spirit of spiritual perseverance. We release it right now. Jesus, I pray a special anointing upon every mother and father in this house. I loose the anointing within their soul. I pray that you would stir up the gift within them, Lord. I pray that you would release, God, whatever hindrance that is standing between you and the anointing that needs to flow. God, I pray, Lord, that every chain in this family would be broken. God, I pray, Lord, that you would loose every binding spirit, God, that is coming against it. Receive it right now. Receive it right now. I got fresh faith. I'm not giving up. I'm not letting go of them. I'm going to keep doing whatever I got to do. They may make it on a broken piece of the ship, but they're going to make it. And when you receive that, I want you to let it out in victory. When you receive the word of the Lord, I want you to let it out with a shout. I want the enemy to hear your war cry. We will not lose the prodigal. We will not give up on the wayward. Satan hear it. Come on, mama. Come on, daddy. He's a liar. The devil is a liar.
Come on, there's only one thing left to do. You need to go ahead and thank God for doing it. Come on, there's only one thing left to do. You need to go ahead and praise him for doing it. You need to get it in your mind's eye right now. You need to see it in faith. That young man walking down that aisle. You need to get it in your mind's eye. That husband, that wife, that child, that son, that daughter, that niece, that nephew. When you get a good picture of them coming back to this altar, you need to give again God thanks as if it's already happened.